What's up, it's Chase Young. What's up, this is Terry McLaurin. This is Carson Wentz, and you're listening to Washington Football Talk Podcast. Two minutes of news coming from Ashburn today on very opposite ends of the spectrum. One of them is great. One of them is not a surprise, but it's certainly not great. This was a football talk podcast. On the football field, the action happens in the blink of an eye. It's like that off the field, too, when you've been injured. In a split second, your life is changed. Whether on the field or in the courtroom, when you've been injured, you need the right teammates by your side. You need Chase and Boscolo, a law firm willing to protect and fight for your rights. On the football field or in the courtroom, having the right team determines whether you win or lose. When injuries change your life, call Chase and Boscolo, trial lawyers that care. What up, everybody? It is J.P. Finley. It's the Washington Football Talk podcast brought to you by Oarsman Automotive of Virginia. We ride with them. Wants you to do the same thing. I'm literally riding in an Oarsman vehicle as we record this using Bluetooth, of course. Um, the day started strong for the commanders. Um, reported that they're going to retire Sonny Jurgensen's jersey. And it was the era of good feelings. And then about an hour later, they put Chase Young on the pup reserve, which means he's going to miss at least the first four games. Um, not a surprise. I've been saying Halloween vibes for a while, but I think, uh, you know, it's still a bummer when it officially happens. Um, react to the news of the day, boys. Busy day for people who wear the digit nine. Ha- happy to see Sonny's retirement. Um, probably well overdue, but better late than never we'll see it in week 18 versus the cowboys if that game has meaning i believe it's the uh the whiteout game too and sunny's retirement that could be a really special environment at fedex field which you don't get to see too often as far as chase you're right not surprising but still disappointing and you just spin it forward uh out for four weeks we'll say first couple weeks he's limited rusty however they want to handle it then you start getting into games nine and 10, it's going to be like half the season before you really see Chase, hopefully be Chase Young again. Um, but look, it's a serious injury, more serious than Logan Thomas's, maybe more serious than we thought even until today. And uh, they're just going to have to wait it out and try and cobble together a pass for us without him. Yeah. I mean, I think the sunny news is kind of, it's great news. Um, I don't know. There's a whole ton, lot to react to. I love that they're doing it in the Cowboys game and, Hopefully get fans uh, up and ready to go for uh, for that week 18 tilt. As far as Chase goes, I think that, you know, folks who listen to the pod know that this is kind of what we've been thinking. Um, certainly, it's funny, one day removed from Ron Rivera getting a little uh, testy with the media for asking about injury updates. We find out, you know, a little more detail to a pretty major injury to a pretty major player. So uh, I think, uh, you know, that's uh, that's 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 uh, interesting timing, but regardless, you know Chase coming back midseason is, you know, if the, if the team is is struggling, hopefully he can he can, you know, be a, a shot of life into the arm of this defense to help the pass rush, or if it's going well, he can just be another, you know, he can be a, a body that can that can add to, uh, to to what they're doing. So midway through the year, I kind of when the Chase when they when the pup list happened, I kind of thought you guys all know I'm a Mets fan. Midway through the year, they got Jacob DeGrom back. It was a nice shot in the arm to a team that was already playing well. can be the same thing for when uh, 
when Chase Young returns, hoping that he returns to his uh, rookie season uh, the way that he was playing his rookie season. Big man making match references. Fire, fired up for October, the big guy is. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Mets are winning the World Series. You heard it here. It's happening. You've been saying it. I've certainly heard it. Um, I think the Chase stuff is uh, it's disappointing but not surprising and not something that generates a ton of reaction from me. Like, he got hurt on November 14th last year. It's now, it is a little interesting when, if you juxtapose it against Logan, who was able to come back that much faster, and he got injured in December. But every injury is different. Uh, Jordan Schultz, Bleacher Report, uh, said that had something on Tuesday that I actually believe is, is new, that Chase Young actually tore his patella tendon as well. Um, and that's part of the complications and all that. Um, ruptured was the term used. So the goal needs to be take it slow and let it heal. And, you know, you got to plan for this guy to be a cornerstone for a long time. Even though, Pete, you kind of brought this up earlier, it's a little interesting considering, like, this is the third year, and he's going to miss time. He's going to miss at least four games. My guess will be a couple more than that. And then you get into a fourth year where a guy's never played a full season for you. He's missed significant time. And you got to, one, make a decision about the fifth-year rookie option, which they would just pick up. But undoubtedly, they would pick that up, barring some other sort of, like, catastrophic injury. But you kind of get into – like year four is when you can start talking to first rounders about a new deal, about the extension and the best teams get those extensions done early. But like, I don't know. That's a very future problem, but it's only kind of, a, it's not even a year away. It'd be like, it's almost September and they're going to probably have to talk about that stuff by like February. So it's not that far. Yeah, what what looked like just a slam dunk after his rookie year, give him a 10-year deal and start carving out wall space for him in the ring of fame, ring of honor, wall of honor, fame, and and fortune, whatever the hell they call it over there. Um, The knee injury has sapped a lot of that momentum, and then you're going to have to worry about how does he look coming back, and then can he get through the season, and then next season you exercise the option, but he's going to be in that Montez sweat position of, okay, this is your time to show us that you really deserve to be around here long term. So. The career is heading down, not a dangerous path because there's still much for him to prove, but his time in Washington isn't necessarily guaranteed as much as you'd like a second overall pick's time to be. He's not going anywhere anytime soon, but the chances of him being here forever, I don't think are nearly as solid as anybody would have liked them to be at this point. Here's the thing, though. His his 2020 season was, like you said, you were ready to carve out a 10-year contract for him. If the first half of the 2021 season hadn't gone as poorly as it did. We wouldn't be, you know, going through these machinations of when they may or may not be able to re-sign him. He has time to turn this thing around. You know, he had a, admittedly, I think everyone said it, a really bad first half of 2021. He has the second half of 2022 to bounce back. And if he comes out there, you know, with his hair on fire and, you know, is a, is a difference maker on the defense, not to, you know, put any number expectations on him, 
But if he goes out there and is a difference maker, the second half of 2022, you're, we're all going to go into 2023 expecting a huge season from him and, you know, wanting the team to hopefully get a deal done with him early. So, you know, I think it's, it's all frustrating the, the, the lack of production in 2021 and then the knee injury, but if he comes back and, and is the player that we saw in 2020 for the second half of this season, this conversation goes a completely different way. For sure. Um, but the first half of last year did happen. That, like that's the last taste of this thing. So just absolutely. There, there's a time where you never thought the chase conversation would be complicated. And yet here we are. Um, the sunny stuff. I want to circle back to real quick. Like Pete, did, do you, does Sonny mean, obviously you're aware of like his accomplishments on the field, but like, did you get to experience Sonny, like the broadcaster and the analyst? Uh, yeah, like when I was driving around with my dad, I mean, I didn't miss many games growing up, but if we were coming back from a baseball game that was scheduled during a Redskins kickoff, which was my nightmare as a child, then yes, I heard Sonny. But in terms of him being an icon, someone who I hold near and dear to my heart, no disrespect, but it just wasn't, wasn't necessarily in my window, but I know for other generations, the more educated he is, the number one guy basically on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I, I just think it's um, like I never saw him play. I was he. I looked up a bunch of stuff just because I was working on the story over the last couple of days, and I mean, he stopped playing in '74 and kind of stopped playing at a high level earlier than that. Like he was getting benched from Billy Kilmer and stuff, but like. I remember just as a kid, won the radio broadcast, which was excellent. Like, I was born right. in 81. And, dude, back then, like, and I don't mean this at all as a commentary on the current radio broadcast, but, like, back then the radio broadcast was just a much bigger deal. Like, I remember, and maybe some people still do this. I, I'm at the games now, but, like, it was, like, very commonplace for people – to mute their TV and put the radio on. And, I mean, not by the time I was a kid, but I feel like people that are older than me, like, the radio was probably even more so a part of it because some of those dudes probably just listened to the radio. You know, like, that's how they acquired the game. Um, And he did Channel 4 with George Michael, and that, I mean, watching the two of them for years and years and years, I could have some impact of where I am in my life now. Like I, I would never miss George and I would never miss Sonny when he was with him. Um, I got to meet those two when I was a kid and I just thought they were larger than life. Um, you know, I got to uh, talk to Sonny a few years ago. It, it was when Sonny was still on the game call and my father-in-law was like a huge Sonny Jurgensen. He is, I guess, a huge Sonny Jurgensen fan. And uh, I got him like a signed picture of him for uh, for Christmas. And I remember going in to ask Sonny to sign it. And we sat and talked for like 10, 15 minutes. And it was just it was just so cool. And like you hear players talk about seeing him around the facility and just chatting with him. And I mean, Sonny's getting older now. Today's his 88th birthday. He's not around. It's not on the radio anymore. But it's uh, I don't know. He's a pillar of the organization. I'm glad he's getting honored. I'm glad uh, you know. Week 18 is kind of far away, but 
all signs point to him being there and being able to enjoy it. So, and it's still the most astounding thing to me is no Redskins football team commander's quarterback has thrown for 30 touchdowns in a season except Sonny Jurgensen. And he did it in 1967. That's almost 60 years ago, dude. 55 years. And it was in 14 games. There's not a ton of people left who were watching him who were watching him play back in the day. But right. for us younger-ish fans, his voice, Sonny and Sam's voice, was the voice of the team. Like, when I see a John Riggins, you know, an old-school highlight, I, I, I hear the radio voices in my – in my head and you know you talked about him being on with with uh with george michael and the two of them george prompting him to, to tell stories and he did on the radio broadcast all the time it was those are the things those are like the those are the, the 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 highlights in my head of the you know the teams that were around before i was able to watch them the 60s yeah. 70s you know even early 80s teams even though i was alive but don't really remember the yeah. you know those those teams that that's the the voice that I that I hear in my head for it. He deserves every bit of this, and and I'm glad that they're getting around to they're finally doing it. So it's a it's a, it'll be a big day. And here's hoping, related to this, that Terry McLaurin, Chase Young, uh, I don't know Brian Robinson, like these guys. Not that they can emerge to the same level as Sonny, because that's very rarefied air. But it it sucks for younger fans to have to hear from older fans about players like this and that they can then relate to guys on their own teams that they watch as opposed to being like, Oh yeah, my dad likes Sonny. No, I watched Terry McLaurin. So we can start getting some of these newer players into these same hallowed conversations. Yeah. I mean, they got to do it for a whole career though. I yeah, mean, no, Brian I know, Robinson but... doesn't even have a career, one career regular season carry yet. And we're hoping he's I sunny. Know. <laughs> It's, I'm just speaking to like they're like it, you know, it feels like the, the supply is running out. Like instead of them retiring guys like Kerrigan, for example, like, okay, that's great, but he's not on the same level as the dudes from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Like they have to keep reaching further back into the past. There's no recent reinforcements. So hopefully those cupboards can be restocked by a Terry McLaurin. Maybe Robinson is too much, but a Chase Young, John totally Allen, and, and that, that sort of thing instead of having to be like, hey, actually, we have someone in the 50s we haven't talked about. Let's dust this off and, and put his jersey up there since we have nothing from the 2000s to speak of. I totally agree, I, I, Pete. I get your point. I'm just – I'm totally stunned that Pete Haley would want to not talk about something that happened before the year 2000 and somehow make it about something current. I know I'm speaking for a lot of listeners who would like to be able to relate more closely to players that they understand as opposed to having to – read the history books because his team has sucked for so long, but I'm respecting Sonny. This is not a jab at that. I just want more I get, Sonny. I, I get what you're saying, but like what I'm telling you is I never saw this dude play either. It was like the iconic manner of which he was the broadcaster of the team, whatever. We're splitting hairs. I would, we would all love if Terry McLaurin's in the hall of fame and then they have to retire. Like it'd be a really good problem to have to retire 17, right? Like that's, that's what I want to happen to. Uh, anything on the field today? Want to run through injuries or anything? So, in addition to Chase Young, they put Tyler Larson on Pup, the backup center. Nate Gary, the linebacker they signed from the Eagles and Niners. He's on reserve injured list, so that experiment didn't last very long. Logan Thomas was back again, but not in team drills. J.D. McKissick was. 
Um, and Andrew Norwell returned to some team drills as well. And then finally, the two cuts uh, to get to the number they needed to today, tackle Rashad Hill and wide receiver Kelvin Harmon. Uh, Charles Leno Charles Leno also back in 11 on 11 drills. And then an interesting and- nugget at the end of uh, during practice was Sadiq Charles was taking some third string center reps. It's the first time I believe I've ever seen him line up under center and take some reps there. So I don't know if that's a, uh, an emergency situation thing or I, uh, Ishmael has, Keith Ishmael hasn't been uh, quite as impressive this year as he, as he was last year. I wonder if maybe they're trying to start to take a look and see if maybe he's a, he's a, he's a casualty potentially. So that was an interesting little, uh, little nugget for me today. And, you know, you're going to hear from Charles Leno at the end of this podcast. JP sat down with him one-on-one. Yeah, I I don't think cutting – like, I don't see cutting Ishmael, especially with Larson on the pub. And Larson's probably nowhere close to coming back after ripping up the Achilles. Um, Like, Schweitzer's the backup center. I understand that. But, like, I think you need a cut – unless they're going to, like, shop the veteran market during cuts because right. I can see that at guard also if a good veteran guard gets cut. Um, dude, the other thing that we reported was uh, they're done with Samus Reyes. They got an injury settlement and have released him off the IR. Um, they The roster is now down to 80 because it had to be. Um, and they're dropping it to 53 next week. Finley on the phones, getting stuff done today, in addition to his nine other gigs that he has to handle. Monumental day for Finley. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I, because I've gotten the question about a thousand times, we don't, we don't know anything more than that's been released, and we're just going to keep working in pod. So don't worry about that. Um, all right, should we get to Leno? Yes, you have any teases for us, JP, so people can stick around and, and go into this interview with eager eyes and eager ears? Carson or no, Carson? Just listen to it. All right. Geez, sorry. I, Mitch, you didn't hear because you were at work, but JP let me come on the radio, and in my second segment with him, I just got to give him the Cliff's Notes version of every story I've written during training camp that he hasn't read. It was really nice of him. That, I mean, was, that, that was how I made up for not – Reading any of them. Yeah. Was that like the three-minute segment that you, that you had before you had to go to break? No, it was like a full – I gave him the DJ a, stuff. I gave him the preseason streak story. It was it was kind, and Beamich seemed to be entertained. My mom texted me saying she learned a lot, so I think it was a very enriching hour or 20 minutes of radio. Good. I was giving a enjoying the show these days. Uh, a ton. She's texting me all the time about things about you that I haven't heard of. So I think she feels very a part of the entire Beamish and JP experience. It's charming. You, you let her know she is a part of it. What were you about to say, Mitch? Because I have a feeling it was a jab. It was, and I'm going to let it go because I'm a bigger man. <laughs> I think it'd be funny. I'm not worried about the jab. I want to laugh at it. I'm sitting in I, traffic in places. I assure you the jab was not at you. Oh, take the jab. Just take the damn jab, and then we'll go to Leno, you punk. Let's just go to our good friend Charles Leno, who was very funny today. He was, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. There's your tease.
Oarsman opened its first car dealership in 1921. Now, over 100 years and many dealerships later, Oarsman of Virginia can proudly say that when it comes to your car buying needs, if you want it, we've got it. Savings, selection, and service? Check. Lifetime engine guarantees and car washes? Check. Loaner cars and pre-Virginia inspections? Check and check. See, over the past 100 years, we've learned that to succeed in business, we've got to keep our customers happy. And that's the Oarsman story. Oarsman Ford Lincoln. Let's ride together. When you signed here, I had a buddy of mine that covers the Bears. Called me, unprompted. I hadn't reached out. And he said, you're going to love them. And the fans are going to love them. <laughs> How does it feel now that you've been here a while? Uh... You love me. Sure. And I hope the fans love me. I think we're talking about Commander's Tackle, Charles Leno. So I, I think you have an engaging style that you don't get from a ton of players, especially offensive linemen tend to be a little more, at least to the media, like reserved and gruff. <laughs> um, why do you approach it differently? It's how I've always been, and I mean, why change? You know, when I was in Chicago, sometimes I I was a little different than how I wanted to be, circumstances only. Uh, but now I feel like I'm much better. I'm much more myself. I'm able to express myself a little bit more since I came here. How tough is it on players when things are going poorly, and you 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 see what I, I know? A lot of players say. I don't pay attention, I delete Twitter from my phone, like all those things, right? And I know that that's true sometimes, but a lot of players, it's not. Like, they know what's happening. How, how tough does that get? Uh, definitely gets tough. But actually, one thing that uh, that comes to mind when you mention that, uh, Coach Masco gave us a book. It's called um, Deliberate Discomfort. And in the book, it said, embrace the suck. I think that's something that, that needs to happen. You have to embrace the suck, okay? Things are... Things aren't good. Things aren't going well. Embrace it. Now do something about it. And that's something that, you know, I think fans, media in the Washington area can start doing. And once they see the product that's on the field, everything else will be better. How do you feel about the product on the field for this fall? Oh, man, it's awesome. I mean, like, this is why I go to work every day, man. Um, uh, This team that we have is, you know, it's First and foremost, very young in certain position groups, um, which is awesome. You need young talent. You need young talent all over the field. But it's very mature in others, like especially in the offensive line. I think we have a very good balance of what our team looks like. Um, You look at me, Andrew, um, nine years, you know, and you got Chase, who's right in five and six Six, years. And then you got Sam Cosme, who year two. Right. You know, and we got some young guys also like Sadiq and Keith and, you know, Chris Paul and stuff like that. Like, that's our team. That's what our team looks like. You got a mix of veteran guys at, 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 at positions. Then you got youth all over. And that's what you need to, you know, to win games and, you know, make a championship run. What do you think, as a, as a vet in this league, what do you think of playing for John Masco, the offensive line coach? Oh, I mean, Masco's cool. Uh, me and Masco had a, uh, had a talk before I got in here. And I just told him to coach me hard, but coach me right. You know what I mean? I like to do things a certain way. And he said, I like to coach a certain way. And we kept, we met in the middle, and he's been, he's been great to me so far. What do you think about Carson Wentz? I, I mean, I think it's starting to look pretty good when you watch the offense day in, day out. Yeah, uh, he's definitely just picking it up. 
I mean, it's a process, you know, learning different offense. I mean, I don't know if you guys know what a learning different offense is. It's, Help us understand that. It's it, in quarterback w- world because they have to know everything. It's almost like learning a new language, honestly. It's almost like, you know, you know, I don't know. You, you speak English, you got to learn Mandarin today. You right. know, they, they learn it. Is it really that significant? <laughs> it, it is sometimes because it's different concepts. Um, you know what the play is, like. I know what power is. I know what I know what that is, but it's not called that. Right. And it's not how I've been calling it for however many years I've been doing it. So when you have to change that around, I mean it's it's pretty difficult and you know, different trees and different offensive offenses have different ways of different terminology and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a lot to take in. And does it seems as an outside observer, one thing I've been impressed by, I, I guess there was the false start last week, but I I think that was kind of some different people were, were playing. Um, it seems like the procedural, the operational stuff has gone near flawless. Am yeah. I reading that right? Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, clearly I wasn't in last week. But, sure. You know, um, I'm guessing you watched it. Yeah, I definitely yeah. watched it. But all that stuff, it, it, uh, you got to take all that stuff into consideration. Silent count, you know, going to a place like Kansas City where it's noisy. You can't use regular cadence because we won't be able to hear Carson. Uh, guys have to look at the ball, look at the court, uh, look at the center, and you know react off of that. And we're always a tick late on stuff like that. Yeah. But the guys look really good. You know, we drill that stuff every single day, every single time we're going on a road game. You know, we're out there working the silent count. Uh, so, and we're working different cadences. So, you know, you have to be on point when you're on offense. As an offensive lineman, obviously the run game is a huge part of what you pride yourself in. What do you think of? The rookie in Brian Robinson, and what do you think of maybe the a, a new, different role for Antonio Gibson this year? Um, the bro- rookie Brian Robinson, man, what can I say about him? Uh, big, strong, fast, aggressive. You know, hits the hole, attacks it, um, but he's very patient at the same time. You know, what I mean, that's all the good things. That's all the characteristic things about him. But one thing I they, they don't see is his patience. He waits for the hole to develop, and then he hits it. He accelerates. Uh, he does a really good job at that. Um, for AG, uh, AG role is, I mean, he's going to be a weapon. He's going to continue to be a weapon for offense. Um, clearly, I'm not the coordinator. Yeah. I'm, right. not, You're calling the plays, I'm not calling right. the plays. I'm not on Madden. I, I can tell you how I use them on Madden. <laughs> what would you do on Madden? Oh, Madden? Shit, screens. You know what I mean? <laughs> run the ball, screens. Have them run deep against our linebackers with man coverage. That's what I do. But uh, for the most part, route. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> but for the most part, um, AG's a weapon, man. Yeah. You can use him in so many different areas on the field, and that's scary. That's, so you don't know where he's going to be. How much Madden do you play? Me? Yeah. Um, I just downloaded it, so not much yet. I, you know, when I get the girls down, I might sneak in I sneak in my game room, turn it on, and uh, play a couple, like an hour of it or something like that. Skill position guys mostly, but yeah. when Madden comes out, everybody talks about what their rating is in right. the game. Do you know what yours is? Uh, yeah, I know what mine is because I saw it. Are you cool with it? I mean, I don't care for it anymore. Ever since they dropped my awareness uh, in Madden, I'm done with Madden. <laughs> I'm like one of the smartest players, and I know that. Not trying to be, not trying to brag or anything like that. I know that I'm one of the smartest players. When they signed you, and I checked in with some Chicago people, that's one of the things they told me. It's one of the smartest guys around. <laughs> yes. I, I've said this for a while, that my favorite guys to talk to, and generally off camera, right? And this is back when we used to be in locker rooms, you kind of just... Got to BS with guys a lot more. Yeah. My favorite guys to talk to were O-linemen and DBs. And O-linemen, when they would talk to you, were incredibly smart and understood the game at a really high level. But then you put a camera on, and there's just one-word answers. And defensive backs are the most 
irrationally confident men on the planet. Right. And I always love that kind of juxtaposition. Um, so I think people sleep on how smart most O-linemen really are. Yeah. No, I don't think they sleep on it. They just don't understand what, how, what we do and how our, our job is. I don't think yeah. people understand the intricacies and, like, the schematics involved at all. Yeah. Um, I want to do something kind of fun if all you're right. up for it. You have a quarterback named Carson, correct? Yes. And you have a daughter named Carson. Yes. Okay. So we have some questions where you could tell us which Carson is which. All right. This should be easy. But if it's not, then that's, I'm a terrible father and a terrible no, no, teammate. Not like, <laughs> you're not going to be a terrible teammate or father, but these might be interesting. Which Carson is easier to protect? Ooh. Oh. Oh. My daughter, Carson, ten times easier to protect. How old is she? She's Oh, she's two. Ah, she's, a little, she's all over the she's place. She's not just grabbing stuff. You and... know what? That is a great question. Thinking about that and giving a long answer and not like the first question that comes to mind, yes, I would want to say my daughter is easier to protect, but it's not true. Carson is easier to protect. We have pads on. We're in a controlled environment, all that type of stuff. You know, hey coming up soon i don't know when uh, not soon but sure. there's going to be social media coming out and i got a three-year-old a, girl dude my, i get it yeah and she she can be running around here and then and next you know that's i got to protect her from cars and protect her from all this then i got to protect her from boys and i got to take her from school and then i got to protect her from that's hard when carson's out here he's got the yellow jersey on not allowed to hit yeah. him you have to protect carson for an hour a week for a game time yeah right right, right. and if if that's we're passing the ball every play, right? Two-year-old, that's all. That's all. That's all day every day. I mean, right? didn't yeah. you have to baby-proof your house? Right. Yes, we did. You didn't have to baby-proof the locker room. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Who? Which Carson is more likely to ask for a pony? Carson Wentz. <laughs> really? Yeah, my daughter asks for footballs. <laughs> um, Just messing with you, Carson. Who is more likely to watch a Disney movie? Oh. My daughter Carson, easily. Well, no, he has girls too. I mean, it's a tie. It's a tie. That's that's for sure a tie. If they, if I had to go ten, it's five and five. I yeah, mean, no, Brian I know, Robinson but... doesn't even have a career, one career regular season carry yet, and we're hoping he's funny. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.